0: Welcome to Virtual Coffee with Leaders. The purpose of this chat series is to actually celebrate entrepreneurs and business leaders who are running and building some of the most exciting businesses of current times. We have candid conversations with these business leaders. We try to uh, understand their professional journey. We get a sense of future from their lens. And at the end, we have a fun rapid fire round as well. Our first guest for Virtual Coffee with Leaders is a gentleman from one of my favorite cities, Hamburg in Germany. Uh, He's someone who has traversed the professional journey, starting as a marketing intern, then spending a lot of time in performance marketing, becoming a CMO, and now to the position of the CEO of Europe's largest multi-mobility platform, Freenow, which is also backed by Daimler and BMW Group. I've had the, the luck to work with him closely as well. And I can strongly say that, that I could not think of anyone better than him to be my first guest for this series. So, welcome, Thomas, to Virtual Coffee with Leaders.
1: Thank you very much. And you need to see that I'm not blushing. Thanks for the nice introduction.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot. Uh, and, uh, Thomas, the format of um, this chat is going to be super candid, super casual. And I'm sure it's going to be super insightful knowing uh, a bit about your uh, journey. So are we already in the chat mode? Do we have our coffee mugs ready? All right. certainly
1: do. Cheers.
0: (laughs) Cheers. So I'm going to begin the first segment where I have a list of uh, questions for you. The first question that I have for you, Thomas, uh, to begin with, I would love to know a bit more about your professional journey from being an intern, spending a lot of time in performance marketing, and then becoming uh, the CEO. Quite frankly, digital marketing has been in the limelight for only last decade or so. And there are not a lot of people who have moved from a specialist digital marketing role to really build and lead business i know a lot of people who are in the process of doing that but you definitely are an inspiration for all of them including myself so i would love to know a bit more about your entire journey
1: sure i mean um i started uh, very traditionally i started economics so um and i was always interested already in like all things tech to a certain degree, not in a, on an engineering level, right? But as an end user, and I don't know, in my teens, building websites, doing stuff like that, right? So um, kind of like always had an affinity to that. So during my studies, I already played a bit around with SEO, which was much easier at that point in time, <laughs> and uh, and affiliate marketing and like integrating AdSense on sites. So I kind of had my first touch point there, I did it together with a friend, um, who is also uh, by now CMO of Send Moments, uh, a Munich based uh, startup. So, and, and we played around um, with that a bit. So, I kind of like saying, okay, that is interesting, right? So, I want to maybe go a bit deeper there. But I mean, while SEO and affiliate can be to a certain extent very well self taught, right? You can like moonlight a bit, do your own projects, and this is working. There's just, well, at that point in time, especially where specific areas of um, digital marketing you just can't do it by yourself. Large display campaigns, right? You don't have access to publishers. You just don't play around with that kind of money that you need to book that in. Same large SEA accounts, right? So uh, there's a certain monetary volume behind that. And also, I mean, you just don't set it up for fun, right? But uh, you then experience working, I don't know, for an e-commerce shop that has, I don't know, 150,000 articles. Uh, this this looks very much different. So. Um, I had the luck to uh, start in an, a an traineeship um, at a performance marketing agency uh, called uh, Unique Digital at that point in time, it's uh, now Syzygy Media, a um, large uh, group uh, that belongs to uh, um, WPP, I think, Yeah, I think it's WPP, it doesn't matter, so um, I started there. Went through the different areas. um, So, uh, learned from very experienced uh, marketeers in the various fields. um, Got a lot of responsibility there, and then um, was able to, with the um, former head of search there, to build up the SEO department because I already knew a bit of the stuff. Then I got a bit deeper into. Okay what else do you need to do how do you basically he had his own crawler which uh, was written in Perl so I learned a bit of my way around a few Perl comments later on Python and you do a bit of obviously when you do SEO there's some some nice things which you can do with basic shell right? so you get a um, you get a data dump from uh, from the server logs and then there's a few very easy comments where you can then extract uh, basically when the Google bot visited the site and how often and so on now there are tools for everything but at that point in time not for everything there was a tool so um i got even a bit closer to that side of marketing the more technical side um was very lucky to take over my first team after one and a half years uh, which was the affiliate marketing department uh, and developed that further and then also Obviously in an agency, you do a lot of pitching at agency strategy. And at that point in time, I worked then very closely together with the head of data. And we did the first attribution modeling things, right? In terms of, okay, what are the touch points? Last click, maybe not the best attribution model for um, for all of our clients. And um, he was very good at that.
0: to know, when was this, uh, this attribution modeling? Like
1: from an ear- perspective- That must be between, I would say, was likely between two thousand ten and 12, 13.
0: Oh, that's really <clears throat> early. That's really, that's really early. Um... Yeah.
1: Again, there were there were little tools for that. Um. So, uh, Yeah. We did that. So, and um. Basically, I got to, yeah, get, got a bit closer even then to data science models and prediction models, and and so on. Found that very interesting. Um, and then at one point in time when you're working at an agency you are only doing one step of the of the full journey right for your clients so i wanted to switch to uh, to the client side actually and then i started at good game studios uh german at that point in time uh desktop free-to-play games publisher and that was a very interesting journey right so i started there as head of marketing responsible for all uh marketing departments at that point in time when i started must maybe was not too small but maybe around 10 12 people marketing department company 300 people um and that was very very i think defining phase for for my career because on various aspects right so i had a very very good ceo that was very data savvy very marketing savvy understood the stuff very well before i joined they hit a gap Um, because the former head of marketing left, so he led the marketing department six months by himself, so he he knew his way around, right? So it was a very good discussion partner. And three months after I joined, uh, we launched the first mobile game, and this was basically my entry into mobile. And um, very early on, and at that point in time, mobile was the only industry that moved serious money uh, on the mobile side, and uh, there were a million of firsts, right? Facebook app install campaigns launch during that point in time so nobody knows how to do it you just play around and optimize right tracking we talked to product managers from from google and mountain view who visited us in hamburg why tracking for mobile might look different and why they need to allow third parties and can't just do it proprietary on their own system it's like, a lot of first and once in a lifetime things so i think that was a very very interesting journey and then the company grew and the team grew and and it was not only performance marketing but also design and then there was also like a conversion team and at a certain point brand we started doing tv and then we did attribution modeling or yeah actually attribution modeling for for tv campaigns and kind of performance tv and uh, it grew bigger and bigger and then at uh, at the end um I was CMO, part of the management team, and uh, actually <clears throat> had um, the data department, all marketing departments, and also the other outward-facing departments like uh, customer care, community management, business development, and sales under my responsibility. Um, then I had um, a quick visit into the more real startup world, I would say, like early, early stage. So. Um, I joined uh, HitFox, now called Ionic Group, which is um, the the company incubator of Jan Beckers in in Berlin, and uh, was responsible for marketing operations, right? So and then they started building first ad tech companies, then very successful fintech companies. And by the time I joined, they focused on the health tech segment. So we've built up uh, health tech startups. Uh, It's a very interesting learning curve for me in terms of Early up funding, venture capital, also had the luxury to for former build ups where they were still holding shares uh, to sit on the supervisory board. So being on the other side of a board <laughs> was a very interesting experience. Um, so and um, yeah, really learned a bit about what it really means to run companies starting from scratch. And um, yeah, and after that, at uh, a certain point in time, I kind of missed the scale, right? So I would say I'm very comfortable in scale up environments, given data and so on. So you need to have a certain amount of data already to to do things with that. And also like building organizations, structures, processes for that bigger type of thing is, a, is something I think where my sweet spot also lies. So. Um, I joined uh, then MyTaxi as, uh, as CMO. I uh, uh, did that for um, four years, again, more than marketing, also data, built up a growth team together with product, uh, built up a revenue management team, and uh, yeah, eventually uh, became CEO of that company.
0: That's really cool. And the fact that you spent a lot of time in your early career doing things hands on, whether it's SEO, affiliates, and then expanding into offline clearly explains your journey uh, of professional learning growth as well. I believe while you were talking about your professional journey it brought back some nostalgia as well. Now, I strongly believe as, as individuals, as professionals, we all have some pivotal moments in our career which define how we engage, how we respond to different situations. And in a way that defines um, our our professional selves as well, Thomas, when you look back at your professional journey, so for you, what was that single most critical pivotal moment which changed the way you look at things, which changed the way you
1: take decisions? Actually, I don't know if there is really this one pivotal moment for me, because I truly believe um, and at least it holds true for myself, right? I can only talk for myself, but um, there is something about the sum of the little things, right? Why some might not be so little, right? But the sum of things and to consistently learn and deliver. Everybody has a bad day, doesn't matter. In the greater scheme of things, you need to evolve and you need to deliver. You need to deliver, especially on the important stuff, there's a lot of preparation, but it's like, when you ask for a pivotal moment, maybe when I think about it, I think one thing that has been, not how I look at things, but definitely has had a major impact on where I am today. Again, I think the sum of all things led to that, but mm, basically being lucky in joining Good Games Studios at that point in time, when they then shortly after just launched mobile and that exploded, right? Because this has also, and I think this is, I truly believe in in terms of career development, there there is no blueprint for that, right? You need to deliver and bring your performance obviously, but there's a lot of luck, right? That position in that company at that point in time, it's a match, you join, things go the right way and you get a once in a lifetime experience of like, being on the forefront of something, right? Really doing some cutting edge stuff, right? Did I knew that 100% before I joined? Could I plan for that? By no means, right? But I think that basically, especially at that point in time, enabled me to be at a state uh, that helped me later on in the career very much.
0: Yeah, and that's an interesting answer, you know, because while you are stating it as luck, it is also a decision that you took to join that company at that point in time. And, and these pivotal moments could differ for, for all of us, right? Like for someone, it could be a change in role, like, like you mentioned for someone, it could be a new project. And for someone, it could just even be um, some very interesting advice that came in from their managers or someone that they look up to. So I think if I if I got your answer right, it's about making the right decision of joining a company at a stage which allowed you to
1: actually learn. Yeah, I, I, I but I would um, I would balance that out, right? Because um, while that is true, what you're saying, I think, how do you come to that kind of decision? And for me, it was always important. And, and I truly believe that this is, uh, if you look at a longer time span, uh, the more healthy and more successful way, I did not, obviously, I wouldn't pick a job where I think, okay, that company is super boring and will go bust in the next six months. That would be stupid, but I didn't throughout my career went for, okay, but that is a, the like strategically for my career path. This is the next step. And then I have this and then I go, but I like the overweight was always, do I enjoy what I will be doing? Do I think I will, do I like the company? Do I like the people, do I like the company culture? Do I like how they operate? Right for me, for example, with Good Game Studios, what convinced me that i wanted to work there was talking to the ceo talking to a few people how they operate how they look at data how they make decisions right how like obviously yes interesting is interesting company but it wasn't like ah, yeah, this is gaming and this will go skyrocket now going just like no this is something which fits how i operate where i see myself On the one hand, being able to make an impact, but also enjoying the work, and then we will take it from there. I think this is maybe a different approach because you sometimes see that, especially with people early on in their career that they know I need to do exactly that and I need to have that on my resume to have this and it's like, if that fits what you really would like to do, perfect. If not, don't do it for just that reason because you will not be able, either you will be very, very unhappy and get depressed or you will not perform or both, right? So, um, and I think that is, um, yeah, I think that is a very important factor to that.
0: True, I couldn't agree more. And and the fact that it is so important to enjoy where you're going, where you're working, where you're spending like half of your, Uh, 24 hours uh, every day and the fact that a company is giving a lot of significance to the entire interviewing process itself, how critical it could be to the eventual fate of the employee working there and equally goes for the the company as well. Thomas, being at the helm of such a large tech company, where do you really see online tech-driven businesses moving
1: in the coming years i mean i mean we are talking now in a very very special moment in time for tech companies i would say or in generally for startup and, and and scale ups right so um nobody in 2019 would have thought the next 3 years go like that right so um i mean first we have a black swan event like the pandemic right so hopefully also once in a lifetime experience <laughs> um and then even within that winners and losers obviously but um now especially after that uh we are at a turning point right we are seeing that globally um the the way capital injections into businesses look like are very very different right so and i think um and this is a mental shift for a lot of people, also not excluding myself there. Um, people that have started working after the 2000-2001 bubble, but then especially after maybe the additional downturn end of the 2000 years, 8-9, right? So if you started then, you only experienced in one form or another, uh, like a bull market for all things tech. Right? So it has been like easy access to money, exceptional growth rates, right? And and everything just going, yes, with a few ups and downs, but generally, if you look at the trend line, just skyrocketing, right? So and I think what will change now for tech companies um, to come back to the question and not, <laughs> uh, not blabbering around too much is um, access to capital will be harder. I think um, the appetite whether it be public markets or private investments or whatsoever in companies that just go for the approach. Okay. We spend a lot of money also in marketing, just grow with a very negative margin, just grabbing market share and don't show a clear path to profitability. Um, we, We know that right. There's a lot of very big companies that are even public with a high market capitalization that are, absolutely negative on the bottom line right so and i think this will go away so we see a few corrections in in tech stocks we see that vcs uh, and private equity firms look very cl- much closer on okay how is the business model really looking like right is there already profitability is there a clear path to profitability is the growth sustainable right so and 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 really leads to something or is this just momentarily buying market share I think that will will change I think this will change also how companies operate and um, I think this will also lead to I don't know some startups going bust um, maybe some consolidations maybe we also see some down rounds in the future which hasn't happened on a larger scale to my knowledge for a very long time. So um, I think there will be much more scrutiny on sustainable growth and uh, mid and long-term profitability.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key. Sustainable growth is definitely uh, much more central now to tech companies while it used to be growth at any cost perhaps uh, a few years back. Obviously, certain things happen with that, right? With the influx of more uh, VC money, we also saw massive growth, but also influx of talent from uh, some of the most attractive professions in the past, like investment banking and FMCGs and so on. How do you see that to become some sort of a challenge in the coming times? And how do you inspire the team to steer through these changes, which the online businesses in a way are witnessing already?
1: Yeah, I mean, in in terms of inspiring my the team, I can obviously only speak for free now, right? So, but um, I think um, even before the Sequoias and and so on released their statements uh, around how they see the world, which is pretty much in line with what I said, like we already had a strategy in place in terms of sustainable growth, clear path to profitability, and how we. We look at our business and how we need to run our business, right? And um, I think for a lot of people, um, interesting enough, the fact of becoming profitable is motivating in itself, because they never really believed in in something that is just all the time loss making. So I think th- that is the first point. Second point is, um, it also, I mean, it if there is a solid plan to to get into that. Um, if you think about it, it gives you also kind of a certain security. If your company is profitable, right, you are self-sustaining. You don't need to run from funding round to funding round. And if a funding round is not coming or coming too late, you need to lay off half of your people, right? So therefore, this is also something very, like, on a very personal level for people who say, okay, work in a company like that, is not the worst thing in the world, right? So um I think, and then I think the motivational aspects are more than about, okay, because there are also maybe downsides because you need to look a bit more. It's like, okay, we can't just throw cash at that thing or we can just not double the company size year over year. And therefore you need to make trade-offs. But I think this also helps you to a certain extent because you really need to think about what drives the most value. Let's focus on that. And then um, we can also be successful with that. But I think then again, back to the history of last 10 years, I think explaining that very well, showing the plans, and then actually even more important than showing the plans, showing results, um, in my experience, leads to a lot of motivation with the people.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so true, because ultimately, as a business, you cannot operate forever or for too long if your your bottom line is is in red, so um, and taking an early advantage on, or an early move in terms of having a sustainable growth strategy without really waiting for the ecosystem to start is definitely um, an advantage. And uh, super excited to 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 hear about that progressing uh, at free now. Now in current day and age, farmers we cannot finish this conversation without talking about web 3.0 or metaverse or the cool terms right now so i'm really curious to know your take on this what do you think could be the role of web 3.0 or metaverse when it comes to online mobility businesses say in the coming decade
1: yeah i mean there is um i have a i have a slightly torn view on that to be honest right so I mean, with every new technology shift, there are are pros and cons. And then there's applications for, I think, or different applications for various industries. Um, And I might be wrong if we talk again in three years' time. uh, But I think, especially for mobility, I think the metaverse and Web 3.0 in itself are a bit further out ahead, if at all, right? So there are other use cases first. Because it's truly digital and we have, like with our business and mobility, there's a very strong connection to the real world um, because uh, like, the actual service is happening in in the real world. And yes, you can for sure think about, yeah, okay, we um, provide our service in the metaverse. And then your avatar can go uh, there and take a cap. So but I think this is a bit of a stretch and and a bit further out in terms of of true value generation. I mean, obviously in this whole Web 3.0 thing, um, crypto plays in, right? So we also need to see what's happening there and not only maybe crypto, but more also blockchain, right? And I think this is maybe something we need to see developments of decentralized storage, what can be done there. But I think at this very point in time, it's all still very inefficient, right? And it's, uh, it's um, not where it most likely will be uh, in, in the future. So, um, and then in general, I would say, same as with uh, with Web 2.0, right? So, which is now part of life, um, there's a lot of upsides and a lot of cool things. And also, there's a lot of potential problems with that, right? And um, I think, I hope. Uh, that early on with the learnings from web 2.0 there will be mitigations in place right so just very few quick examples right so while I mean social media is is a part of our life and it uh, brings a lot of value. There's also downsides like people getting addicted to that like there's an increasing problem of especially for for children in terms of cyber mobbing and stuff like that so. Um, And while I think there will be very cool applications and responsible use for the metaverse, there's also a potential downside scenario. If you go worst case, you you look at uh, like a book like Ready Player One. uh, That would be a more dystopian view of uh, what the metaverse could become. Uh, And it will most likely not go into that direction. um, But nevertheless, right? So there's still stuff uh, that needs to be considered. And I think we are very, very early on. And as usual, they are very early on use cases. And I think the true use cases of web 3.0 are not even existent of today, mm-hmm. right? So I don't think what we are seeing today will be the, the long time main part of, uh, of web
0: 3.0. Yeah, that's, that's totally uh, making sense. And quite frankly, perhaps we'll see over the next decade on how this space evolves, because a lot of these use cases, don't necessarily seem to be generating value. Yeah, this could be considered cool to have your virtual presence wherein you're spending uh, on NFTs and so on. What what value does it have in, in real terms? We don't know, but it could change. Like the value today you have when it comes to your Instagram followers and so on, which perhaps wouldn't have been a thing a decade back.
1: 100 percent, but' it, it's same with that, right? I think we are at the moment we are, the technology is in the making that will enable further use cases, but the first use cases rarely are the ones uh, that stick uh, so but it would be seeing with NFTs right? I think we can all agree that a lot of that is uh, very overhyped, overpriced bullshit, but the concept behind that, right? building up on smart contracts, uh, mostly on on the Ethereum uh, blockchain um, and thinking then about further use cases about that and really ownership of intellectual property and so on. So there's stuff where I can see true value in there going forward, uh, but uh, the first tryouts are rarely the ones that sticks.
0: That's true, that's true. Super excited to see how this pans out and uh, super insightful answers thomas i already feel that i have known you so much in in this conversation which now brings me to the second and the last segment which is also the fun segment wherein we have some rapid fire questions and as the name suggests it's going to be quick questions and quick answers is what i would be looking forward to so uh, are you ready for the rapid fire yes i am ready all right so i'm going to start with the easy ones right The first one that I would ask is, um, okay, PowerPoint or Excel, the tool that you like to work on more or review?
1: Definitely Excel, but it's Google Sheets for me.
0: Yeah, so clearly that just is how data centric you are. (laughs) Your favorite brand.
1: Oh, hard to tell. Favorite brand. So I have this one brand where you see I have everything from OSIS but but if you take brand also in the single how they operate, what like how they do their marketing and, and so on. Um I really like the stuff Nike is doing, to be honest. And it influences my buying decision. If you look at my sportswear, like this is more definitely more on on the on the Nike direction and uh, the brand plays a role for that, I would say.
0: Yeah, and they've been so bang on like doing the same thing. To the perfection for like decades your favorite ad campaign this could also be by the way a campaign that was within your company or any other brand's campaign
1: favorite ad campaign um i think it's not from us but a, a campaign i personally liked very much they have done that now quite a few times but when they did it the first time i really liked this was a spotify christmas campaign where they basically take data Big surprise, and make like and then they do I they did the billboards, right? So where they're like to the person that listened two million times to that heartbreak song, we hope you're doing okay by now, right? And and stuff like that. So I found that very, very spot on and funny. and so uh, I think that was one of my favorite ad campaigns, actually. Yeah, I,
0: I totally take that. I think that was one of the most iconic campaigns, it was a global campaign and uh, i believe they localized it in a certain way as well your favorite social media platform mm,
1: i think the one i use most and have the most follow- followers is linkedin <laughs> okay. definitely uh, if we can count that as a social platform um, other than that um i don't have kind of a favorite so i'm I'm using social media but uh also not to a massive extent I think. I don't know if I look at my screen time maybe it's different but so I, the two platforms I use regularly are Instagram and TikTok.
0: TikTok. Nice. Are you active on TikTok like do you do you post content? No.
1: no, also not on Instagram, right? There I'm just consuming a bit for for leisure, following the the profiles and stuff I like. Uh and then um active posting only on linkedin
0: nice nice and of course tiktok is exploding in terms of user base growth and becoming more and more critical for marketers according to you you know the most inspiring business leader in current times could be someone you work with or could be someone you just you know listen to.
1: yeah i i mean i i sometimes get that question right so uh, who's your your idol or your role model right so and uh, very honest reply I don't do role models because there's a lot of people you can learn from and a lot of things you where you say okay this is somebody is doing imperfection but I rarely see or it also it doesn't make sense for me to idolize a, like somebody in in the totality as a person or also for business Um it's, does not work for me, just right. So, but I think they're. I mean, yes, they are very, very um, inspiring people. And then it depends on how you look at it. And I would say now, and this is they're not going rapid, but I this, just to make the point, right? So it's for there are a few people for every area, right? So if you look at how can you look at data, it's definitely Nate Silver, right? He wrote a great book, The Signal and the Noise, um, and is also very active on Twitter and so on. So very interesting to see right? Then um, when when you look into how you run companies successful, I mean, let's look at the successful companies, right? So, and then there's definitely people where I see or where I have a bit, which is just more fitting my way or how I look at the world. And then I can maybe more relate to, okay, I am really inspired by Reed Hastings from Netflix. I think Original um Netflix culture deck is one of the mess best management books uh, that is out there still, right? So but um would I say everything they do, everything that are does I don't know, right? So but for that very specific how you build a company culture, how you run a successful company, um that is very inspiring for me. So then the list goes on, right? So but there is not that that one person, and I'm I feel alienated if somebody is idolized that much.
0: Cool. But you already answered, like, you know, with two of these uh, people and the aspects that you really endorse or have perhaps uh, taken a few things from. One celeb you always wanted to have as a brand ambassador for any of the brand that you have worked with.
1: Uh, same again. Not very much like in, in uh, focused on specific individuals. Um So um, never really had that. But I would say maybe if I can, but this goes very much into personal preference, right? It's just uh, one thing that impressed me and what I I really liked, even though the brand is not something I can relate to very much. uh, I loved when uh, HP had the commercial with uh, Jay-Z. And hmm. right? I don't know if you know the one it's it's very basic and it's also um yeah, but that was basically where I said that that is a very cool move nice. or not so cool company <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice one event you know could be a sport event, music event that you always wanted to associate with any of the brands that you worked with
1: yeah, I think again right so there is uh depends very much on the brand right because the association uh, uh, needs to needs to fit I mean I think as a marketeer you always have that kind of like funny idea if uh, you should book a Super Bowl spot right because this is somehow uh it's I mean it's the most the most expensive ad space you can buy right so and then this is somehow it's somehow intriguing uh, looking at the reach um but then I think there's other stuff. Actually, what I like and what we did is basically we were a mobility partner of the um, OMR conference, in, uh, which is actually in Hamburg. Sounds stupid, but uh, this year, this has been so massive uh, that it's for sure from me becoming the European South by Southwest. So uh, that was already uh, very, very nice.
0: Yeah, and I, I can I can uh, state that I saw a lot of coverage of that social organically itself by people who attended the event so that definitely was a successful one your favorite country to work
1: and live in um i really like working and living in germany (laughs) otherwise i would would have changed that not necessarily for the weather but i I think in the greater scheme of things um I, i really like it here but i also like to travel and to be able to work from our different locations right so and um I really always had a thing for London and really like it a lot. Um, but also I think um, one city that has very much grown on me uh, is Lisbon.
0: Oh, wow, it's a lovely city and when it comes to weather, I think with this summer <laughs> all the cities have gotten their share or actually more than that of warm weather.
1: Yeah, very true. <laughs>
0: Okay, now it's going to get a bit tricky, huh? The next question. So, your favorite free now country?
1: Hard to tell. Favorite free now country? Mm. Different aspects again. I will not pick a favorite country for 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 that because there is literally not one. But right, so then there's countries I favor very much because they produce the best bottom line, which is a very nice thing. But then there are countries which I like because we have already um, a more advanced mobility offering than than in other countries, right? So, but uh, no, also for for very diplomatic reasons, uh, you will not get a specific answer on that one.
0: Okay, I, I take that on this one. <laughs> one. Your favorite department, like, like the department that you've enjoyed working with the most could even be a department from your previous organizations.
1: Um, again, also very, uh, very thin eyes on the... Uh, to say that, I mean, obviously I have uh, close relationships to... Uh, the departments that reported former directly to me uh, so marketing data revenue management um, so that that is I think an obvious fact. but I mean obviously I like given my affinity to data, I'm always enjoyed working with uh, with especially the data science departments uh, because um, I do get what they do. Um, but they are so much more advanced than that. Uh, and I find it just fascinating.
0: Nice. Most memorable professional advice given to you.
1: Only worry about the stuff that you can influence at that point in time. Awesome. Right.
0: Last question. Tim Cook, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Satya Nadella, Sundar Pichai. According to you, the most iconic CEO in current times.
1: Definitely not Elon Musk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was looking for that answer.
1: (laughs) Um, Other than that, uh, out of that, um, even though it uh, might sound counterintuitive to some parts because there's, I mean, it's it's a, but very much because of that point, it's a very heavy heritage to carry and there's a lot of criticism about innovation, but um, if you look also on the financial profile and the company is positioned, how the company value is and how I think robust it is for the future, it's Tim Cook.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much,
0: Thomas, for all these insightful and fun answers. And thanks a lot for taking our time for this conversation. I really enjoyed this conversation as much as I've enjoyed working with you. I hope you had a good time as well.
1: enjoyed it a lot. Thanks for having me, Ankit.